All right, you guys, I'm so excited for this conversation this week. I have Terry Cole, who is a licensed psychotherapist and a global leading expert in female empowerment. For two decades, Terry has worked with some of the world's most well-known personalities from international pop stars to Fortune 500 CEOs. Terry has a gift for making complex psychological concepts accessible and then actionable so that clients and students achieve sustainable change, i.e. true transformation. She empowers over 250,000 people weekly through her blog, social media platforms, signature courses, Real Love Revolution, and Ben Boundary Bootcamp. Her popular podcast, The Terry Cole Show. She is also the author of Boundary Boss, The Essential Guide to Talk True, to Talk True, Be Seen, and Finally Live Free. Um, so that's coming out next year, Terry, right? It is in April, on April 20th. Oh, I am so excited. Welcome. I'm so excited for this conversation today. Me too. Thank you for having me. So how did you kind of fall into this? I'm so curious. Being a psychotherapist? Well, I mean, being a psychotherapist, where did your heart and passion come from for that? And then even more so how you've worked with international pop stars and Fortune 500 CEOs. Like, I'm curious on both of them. (laughs) Well, becoming a therapist, I really got here by way of my own therapy. So I had a whole career um, prior to this as a um, talent agent for supermodels and celebrities. That's what I was doing as I was on my own personal journey. And as my life continued to transform, I couldn't stop trying to get other people into therapy. And I realized that I needed to get out of the business I was in, entertainment, when I was way more interested in getting my clients into therapy and eating disorder clinics and drug treatment clinics than I was negotiating a contract that I should have been really excited about but didn't care about. So that was how I decided to make the switch, is that I just got to a point where I was like, everyone needs to understand that we can become so empowered in our own lives by really knowing ourselves. And so I quit my job. I was running the New York office of a bi-coastal talent agency. And um, I applied to one grad school. I applied to NYU, thinking, well, if I don't get in, I guess I'll do something else. And I just, in my early 30s, I just changed careers to become a psychotherapist, really because I was so passionate about how I was able to transform my own life experience through therapy. Um, so you talk a lot about codependency. You talk a lot about self-care. Um, I think we should just dive into a couple of these concepts if, if you're good with it. Sure. Um, let's talk about, I think most people struggle with being indecisive. And I've even struggled with it myself, being overwhelmed and just indecisive. And what is kind of your thought process or how would you talk to someone that is struggling with making a decision? Well, I I think that it's usually not about one decision. I think that in my experience, um, a lot of times people struggle with chronic indecision. And there are many reasons for that. So part of the way my process works is that we always have to go back before we go forward. So we're figuring out why is this the way you relate to decision making? And there's lots of reasons. So I I always talk about blueprints, right? We have blueprints in our life, all of us, which is basically the unconscious way 
that we relate to everything. So we've learned it from our family of origin, from our culture, and yours is incredibly unique, just like mine is. So we have boundary blueprints and love blueprints and financial blueprints, and we have an indecision blueprint as well. So to try to decode, like, hmm, why do I struggle to make decisions? Because, you know, really, Christy, we're talking about two different things. Making a big decision, I mean, there's a process that anyone goes through who is a thoughtful human of trying to make the right decision for themselves. But that's not the same as chronic indecision. So if you're looking at chronic indecision, we see a pattern of behavior. So when we're trying to decode blueprints, which means why am I relating to making decisions this way? What is that about? Well, the first thing we look at is, was this a model of behavior that you saw, that you witnessed when you were growing up? Maybe one of your parents, or I call them impactors, because a lot of people were not raised by, you know, in a traditional sense, but any adult in your life when you were a child, did you see indecision frequently? Did you have a parent or an impactor who struggled with indecision? Because if you saw this, one of your parents or impactors labor over every decision, then you learned that this is what decision-making looks like. So this collection of information and the messages that you receive from your family of origin, that is your downloaded blueprint. Now, just because you have a blueprint like that doesn't mean you can't change it, of course. But so much of this information is in your unconscious mind. So part of this process, if someone listening says, wow, why is it so hard for me to make decisions, which we start to look at the historical um, seeds of this behavior that might be there. And if nobody guides you, you know, I mean, I, I, how I, the work that I do and what I consider myself is I'm just a damn good GPS to get people to the information that they already have. They just don't know where it is. Does that make sense? Absolutely. It makes sense. So I've done a ton of work in this realm. So I wanted to ask questions that probably my audience um, will be like, what is she asking? But I'm going to ask them. So let's go. Great. Uh, emotional work, um, uh, emotional healing that kind of thing. Is that what we're talking about? Or are you really more talking about inner child work um, or kind of a combination of both? Kind of neither, really. I mean, I'm really talking about in a more um, tangible, what did you witness way. We're going to get into the emotional because that is definitely there as well. But the first sort of stop on the bus to understand this, your downloaded decision-making blueprint is to look at how did your parents or caregivers make decisions? Was it quick and decisive or was it drawn out and difficult? Did they change their minds a lot? So that that's one thing. And then then we have then there's other questions and I'm, I'm also providing this for the listeners. So there'll be like a little starter kit that they'll be able to download so they can actually answer these questions themselves. But we think about the way that our folks related to us or our caregivers. So were you allowed and encouraged to make age-appropriate decisions when you were growing up? So for some folks, they had very controlling parents who never allowed them to make decisions. Or if you grew up and you made a decision that was wrong, quote-unquote, right, you made a mistake, was the family very punitive? Did you get into a lot of trouble? Well, that would make you not 
really want to take responsibility for making decisions. And and you might you would not you didn't want the consequences, right? Exactly. You didn't want the consequences. Yeah. Exactly. Um and so I'm assuming these are all all these experiences that we have, what we're talking about, they're they're imprinted in us and they're left in our mind, they're left in our brain, and they're left in our, our bodies, right? That mm-hmm. that impact and become patterns. So once you the idea is that once you know that this is a pattern, you're aware of it, you can then start making decisions that are not based on knowing past things, but rather on real tangible things. Yes, and that's true, right? So awareness is always the first step to transformation, right? Because we can't change anything we're unaware of. But then we have to move into, there's this concept that I think is a very important part of chronic indecision, which is understanding your secondary gain. So quickly, secondary gain is the, it's different than primary gain. So primary gain is, you know, you go to the gym so that you'll be strong. The primary gain is being strong, right? Secondary gain is a less obvious, um, more hidden, quote unquote, benefit. And I'll put quotes around that because it may not seem like, like nobody wants to stay stuck in indecision. But if you do, I can promise you that there is some, there is something that you're getting out of being indecisive that is protecting you in some way. So it may sound uh, counterintuitive to think that you're quote unquote benefiting from being chronically indecisive because really, I mean, that is exhausting. But let's talk about how to use this secondary gain tool that I've created, which is pretty simple, just some questions that we'll ask. And I wonder if, you know, those listening, you won't get an aha moment of why you're stuck in this place. So the first question, and and there's a bunch of questions, but for our purposes right now, um, I'll just give you the second set of questions, which is, what do you get to not feel, not face, or not experience by staying stuck in this behavioral pattern, which is indecision, or any circumstance? So think about it. If if we're talking about indecision, what someone might get to not face, not feel, and not experience is the terror of making a mistake, of making the wrong decision. Um, right? It consequences for your actions, yes, but it's also taking. There's something about not deciding that we have to really get that not deciding is also deciding because a lot of times we wait so long to make a decision that the chips fall where they may without us actually making a decision because life just goes on. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So we have to think about if we have a fear of being seen, if we have a fear of making a mistake, if we're in a relationship and we fear uh, the other person's disapproval or their rejection, Those are all very solid reasons why staying in indecision is unconsciously more comfortable than stepping up and making a decision because it makes you vulnerable. Think about making a decision. It makes you vulnerable because you're literally putting your stake in the ground and you're, even if you're not declaring it out loud, but you are. By making a decision, we are declaring something. Like, I'm going to go to grad school. 
Well, now what does that look like? Oh, I made a decision. And now what is my fear? Well, what if I fail? What if I fell out? What if I can't do it? What if people think it's ridiculous that I'm quitting my job? Like I'm going back to my own story of like quitting a, you know, a job that was pretty fancy, or at least people thought it was, to go to grad school uh, and get in a ton of debt and, you know, do those things. And tons of people did not understand. But when you're solid in your decision making, you are clear about what is your side of the street. So my father didn't really understand why I was doing that. And I didn't really care because I was like, well, I am, I'm not happy in my job. And he was like, but it's a great job. I'm like, yeah, but my happiness is actually more important to me than a great job because whatever I do, I will eventually get great at it. Like that's just what I'll do. But I didn't need his money and I didn't need his support. Um, And eventually he came around to it. But, you know, if... I wasn't as confident as I was at that age in my life, that could have been really devastating, right? Telling him I'm making this decision and maybe he would have tried to sway me out of doing it. So I think when we understand our secondary gain for staying stuck, it makes it so much easier to move away from indecision because as much as we hate it and it feels terrible, there's a comfort It's a familiarity. If you're someone who suffers from chronic indecision, it's like the devil you know. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I I personally don't feel like I, I don't know. I'm like thinking to myself, I'm like, do I suffer from this? I know we're all like, as we're listening to this, are we like, are we chronic? Are we just in a season where a lot of decisions need to be made? And I think for me, it was just a season of um, a lot of big decisions were needing to be made and I was overwhelmed that makes sense. Um, of course. But I also, I, I can relate to what you said. I mean, I've been in um, business, personal things where I've made decisions and some of the people that I love the most haven't agreed with them or supported them. And when you're confident in that decision, you kind of be like, look, you're either on board with me or you're not. You might. And, and here's the bigger thing that I think I've realized is it's also a lot of growth when you can actually look at them too and realize maybe why they feel the way that they do and realize maybe their reasons are not the same as your reasons. And that disconnect, right. Gives you some clarity as well. Yeah. Because I'm sure your dad, Mm -hmm. him not having your support, that probably hurt you. Right. You know, it's interesting. It, I wasn't surprised because he's a more, he, he is now deceased, but he, he was a more conservative person. Um, and he took a very safe, path in life where he worked for the same corporation for 32 years, retired young, like that was his life path. So there's a lot of projection and there's a lot of transference that will go on where exactly what you're saying, their life experience is different. But I didn't really take it personally because I knew he loved me. I knew he knew I'd become successful at whatever I did. I think that me giving up a secure situation made him nervous. And so he was trying to understand, like, why would you want to do it? And I knew he wouldn't understand because he didn't make decisions around things that made him happy, right? He was very dutiful. He did what he considered the right thing. And, you know, he was in a family way at a very young age, like we were, we were so different. So yes, I totally agree with you. But you know, Chrissy, this brings us to boundaries. And I think that in my practice and in the courses that I teach, 
codependency is an epidemic without a doubt. And being very invested in what other people think has a lot to do with being codependent, not just what they think, but their decisions, their feeling states, their choices. And if you do that to the detriment of your own health, then that is codependency, right? A lot, of course, we are invested in the decisions and feeling states of the people we love. That's just called being in relationships. But if we are that um, to the detriment, meaning we are more focused on the other person's life than our own, that really is like the definition of, or my definition of codependency. We are going to take a quick little break to hear a word from our sponsor. This podcast is brought to you by startplanner.com, your tool for a more organized life. Featured in Forbes, Entrepreneur, and Inc.com, Start Planner was created to meet the demands of today's busy lifestyle, helping you to plan, execute, and organize every aspect of your life in one concise system. Align schedules, to-dos, finances, health, wellness, goal setting, and clear action steps to all work together and drive results. Learn more at startplanner.com. So I think that boundaries are something that are really important and, and codependency is something to be very aware of because that really can impact your ability to be a solid and secure decision maker. And I think that um, people become codependent for many different reasons. Um, Mm -hmm. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, I think that it's something that we are either raised with becoming, but I think that being really solid on knowing who you are and being able to stand alone in your own ground and your own voice um, I think that there's a lot of people, correct me if I'm wrong, because um, I've done a lot of work in this in this area, that think that love and codependent are one. And <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I know this is kind of a deep conversation, but I didn't expect to go there. But love can feel very codependent when we so interwrap someone else's feelings, emotions, thoughts, whether it be your, your father, my father, like or someone that we love. Um, and so it's, it takes a lot of work to really like unravel yourself and unlayer yourself um, and stay true to your true authenticity and learn what is love. Um, and things that you, things that are right, it's okay to put boundaries in place because um, that's actually boundaries to me are an act of self-love. And they're actually also an act of other love too. And it's because loving them too. Yeah, it is. It's it's yep. literally the most loving thing you can do because think about it. When you have disordered boundaries, that means, in my my estimation, actually, I have a book coming out in April called Boundary Boss. So I've been immersed in boundaries for the past three years. I mean, before that too, but like heavily immersed. And when you think about what it means, it's not just having difficulty expressing your limits with someone. A lot of times. It's having difficulty expressing your preferences, telling the truth if you don't like something, um, being honest about how you feel about things if you think the other person will not approve. That is having disordered boundaries. But what ends up happening is that people don't know us. So when you think about when you're telling the truth, when you're having maybe a challenging conversation, when you're speaking up or talking true, as I like to call it, 
you're, that is actually loving because the easier thing, quote unquote, in the short run is to not do it, but it has far reaching, uh, you know, consequences. And when you think about the, the most tragic thing that happens if we continue to have disordered boundaries is that the people who you're closest to don't really know you. And how can anyone authentically love you if you never actually allow them to authentically know you? I mean, I can feel that. And I've been in seasons of my life where I've done that same thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think I've done it out of fear of abandoning. um, Oh, yeah. Out of fear of, I don't, I don't want, I don't want there to be any more conflict, right? Um, I've done it out of abandonment but rejecting like I don't I don't want them not to like me I don't want them not to be okay Mm -hmm. um so I think that we've all been been through those things um and you've got this is all I mean this could be a really deep conversation but I cannot wait to read your book and I know that why don't you go ahead and share with our listeners um what you have for them because I think that if you're listening to this you guys and, and you're thinking I need to put boundaries in place or I really need to work on not being so codependent or on need to make some decisions and I'm feeling kind of indecisive. Um, you know, what, what do you have for them that they can kind of start this off? Well, we actually created a little gift for your listeners. So to get it, they just have to go to terrycole.com um, forward slash start with Christy, which makes sense. Um, and so I, I created an indecision starter kit specifically for your audience. So it'll basically um, give them what what we've been talking about. So there'll be questions so you can figure out your indecision blueprint. Um, and then we will move on to the secondary game, which is basically understanding that. And then I have a process to access your deep knowing. Because a lot of times with indecision, I find that Different visualizations can short circuit that fear response that we have. So this is basically, um, it's a visualization that you will do that will get you to your right answer. And so anyway, that they can get that at just going to terrycole.com forward slash start with Christy. And I think you guys are going to love it. And this is the beginning of having a deeper understanding of what is in your unconscious mind, I call it the basement of your mind, because so much of the time we don't go down there. We don't want to go down there. That's some dark stuff down there. (laughs) But I think that that's the thing, right? I think sometimes that dark stuff can become the brightest stuff if you will allow yourself to let it be. I fully believe that. Well, it's like, visualize it like this. You know, we, we are running away from things in life, whether we know it or not. You know, so we're, we're running forward, trying to outrun the things we fear. And when you start to do this psychological work and this self-healing work, it's as if you just make a decision that you're going to turn around, you're going to stop running, and you're just going to look right into the face of whatever it is. And it's never as bad as it was when you were alone in your mind. And people listening to, you you know, this show and other shows like it, my show is a very therapeutically based, you know, podcast as well. It's like there's so much self-learning that you can do and knowing that you are not alone. There are millions of people around the globe doing this work. And this is what self-evolution is. Like there's nothing wrong with you. 
you know, you're, you're a human being, you're having a human experience, but there's so much that you can do to have a deeper understanding and more compassion for yourself, for your experience. And this is how we get, we get out of those stuck places, like understanding secondary gain. When you go, oh, I keep talking about, you know, I, I had a client who, you know, wanted to date and wanted to date, but she kept putting this like thing on it that when she lost 10 pounds is when she was going to start dating. And then she couldn't lose the weight. And, you know, when we got to the secondary gain, you know, what do I get to not feel, not face and not experience by keeping on this 10 pounds and making that rule? Oh, she, what do you think she got to not feel? Uh, vulnerable. <laughs> she got to not be rejected because that was her fear. And once she understood that, it's like you're protecting yourself unconsciously, but it's also blocking you from what you want. She was able to slowly but surely lose those 10 pounds or decide that she could lose six pounds and then date or lose no pounds because there was nothing wrong with her, that that was just an excuse to keep her safe from the fear of being rejected. And then you can consciously move forward. So really what we're talking about, what we've been talking about and what's in this gift are different ways of bringing this important material from the unconscious mind to the conscious mind so that you can make mindful choices about your life. So powerful. And Terry, I wish I had like an hour with you because <laughs> I, I, I could keep going and I know you don't know probably much about my journey, but um, I got married at 19. Um, I have three boys. I'm a single divorced mom now. Um, and I've done a, so much work in this realm of really looking inward and um, all of this stuff that we're talking about. And I wrote, I've, I'm an author of a book called Start Balancing. And it's almost as if in 2017, I wrote this book. And the principles very much are, are applicable. The efficiency, the workflow, the productivity are there. But the journey and the person that wrote that book, I, I it's as if it's a completely different woman than I am sitting here talking to you right now. It's been my journey and my growth and my evolution. And I think that we get so caught up in what other people think or that codependency. And um, we forget that we are habitual habits and these routines are safe, but we forget where growth really happens is in change and in pain. Mm-hmm. And we are meant to evolve as humans. That's where we grow and we change. We are, we're products of evolution. And um, I just want to challenge anybody that is that is feeling stuck or feels like they can't take those next steps or feels like they're just in a really hard season to look for the good in that season and really be open to the positives and the things that you can learn and grow and, and change. And like she said, really take looks inward and don't just fill it with spaces um, and with things because I've done that as well, Terry. I've seasons of not wanting to feel and not wanting to look inward and maybe coping and not coping with even bad things, just coping with things that allow me not to have that space to look inward. Does that make sense? Um, It it does. More gym, more like there's, it's unhealthy. Like it's, even though you think that's healthy coping. um, So, uh, you know, I could, I could talk about this stuff all day long, Mm -hmm. but um, I can't wait to dive into your book and um, I'm writing my second book as well. And it's excellent how much of this conversation kind of um, aligns with my book. So thank you for sharing your journey and your gift with the world. Um, Cause I feel like so many people need this. So many people are in decisive states or have chronic indecision 
um, and need to be able to make those changes uh, to evolve and to become who they are meant to be. Agreed. Well, thank you so much for having me. I totally enjoyed it. Thank you so much, Terry. And you guys, you can find her again. It's at Terry Cole. It's T-E-R-R-I-C-O-L-E. And then forward slash or backslash start with Christy is that course. And they can find you on Instagram at just Terry Cole and any other social platforms as well. Your website, Facebook as well. Correct? Indeed. Please come join me. Go join her, you guys. Um, All right. Thank you, everyone. We will be back next week. You can find any links discussed in this podcast in the description below. If you like this episode, please leave us a review and hit the subscribe button. It helps us so much. You can listen on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify. We are here weekly with brand new episodes. See you guys soon.